Thank you, ladies. Open your Bibles again to the book of Habakkuk. Verse 2 will be our text verse. I was talking to my family this week. We were discussing, talking about the sermons last Sunday morning. And uh, I was talking to John, and he, 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 he was talking about it. And he said, you know, he preached on Sunday night about exercise right before Thanksgiving. And, and I, I, I preached on uh, exercise thyself unto godliness. But he said, that one didn't, didn't bother me as bad as the one on Sunday morning, the Weight Watchers sermon. I said, I, I don't know what you mean, the Weight Watchers sermon. He said, well, you outlined the book of Habakkuk. Chapter 1, he waited. In chapter 2, he watched. That was a Weight Watchers sermon and then work. But anyway, I want to finish it up this morning as I preach uh, another message from the same title or from the same passage. One pastor, he read the same passage, preached the same sermon for several weeks in a row, and the deacons met with him and said, Preacher, we appreciate that sermon, but we was wondering when you was going to go on to the next one. He said, When you start obeying that one, I'll go on to the next one. But that's not the case this morning. Completely different message, but from the same passage of Scripture. Habakkuk says in verse 2, notice the wording, O Lord, comma, how long shall I cry? And thou will not hear, exclamation mark, even cry out unto thee of violence. I'm not just crying. I'm not just asking for help. I'm telling you there's violence going on around us. And thou wilt not save. He, also make, he, he, he almost makes a, a condemnation of God. He said, you won't do anything about it. I'm going to preach this morning on the subject, God's work in silence. God's work in silence. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help me as I preach this morning, not for my sake, but Lord, I pray for the sake of these who have come this morning that you would empower the preaching. I desire to be pleasing to you and our conversations through the night and this morning. You know my heart, you know the desires of my heart. I pray that you would receive honor and glory. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, and I'll use this as a context, Habakkuk, the prophet, was confused at God. He was confused because God would not hear his prayer. He went to God and he said, God, we have problems everywhere. We have corruption. We have wickedness. And he had two basic questions. The first question was, why doesn't God do something about the wickedness? The second question he had, why would you use a people more wicked than we are to judge us? They are more wicked than we, God. I don't understand you. The prophet's greatest concern, fear and confusion, it seemed, that God was just ignoring everything and letting everything go as it seemed to be going. It seemed that God was ignoring the wickedness of the place. He was ignoring the work of the prophet. And he was ignoring the wishes of the people. Habakkuk wanted to give up. He said, I want to just quit. I'm tired of being a prophet. You're not going to listen to me. You, 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 I, I am your voice here on the earth. I am the connection between the people here and you in heaven. But God, uh, they won't listen to me and you won't listen to me. I'd, I'd like to just quit. But he said, you've been so good to me in the past. It's hard for me to quit because I come to one place in life that you won't answer me. And so he said, instead of quitting, I'll do three things. I'll wait for God. 
I'll watch for God, and I'll keep working for God. That was the message last week. But I want to point out today one more thing from this passage of Scripture. It seemed for a long while that God was ignoring the prophet or God had gone silent. Now, do we not expect God to answer when we pray? I do. I think the Bible wants us to pray with expectation that he's going to hear and answer our prayers. So it's not a wrong thing. Habakkuk is not in the wrong to hunger for God to answer. When I pray, I want God to answer. In fact, I pray with an expectation. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he is a rewarder of him. He is a a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. And those that expect God, a rewarder of them, that seek him and expect God to answer the prayer. And so Habakkuk is not wrong by warning God to respond, but he is confused that God has gone completely silent. God does not answer in any way or in, uh, in, in, in to any situation. And he wonders why or how long do I have to continue to cry out for help. Throughout the word of God, there were those that felt as though God had abandoned them. It, they said, God, why have you become silent? Uh, why are you not answering my prayers? Take your Bibles and go to uh, Psalm number 28. Perhaps you're here this morning and you have a need or a burden. Perhaps you would have something in your life that you would put in the category or you would classify it as an emergency. You need God to hear you and you need God to hear you now. Or it appears that way. You really need an answer But God is not answering you. And you begin to examine yourself. Is there a reason God's not answering me because of me? Is there a reason that God's not answering me because of of something I have done wrong? Why is it that God isn't answering? That's what I want to address today. It's what I want to preach about today. Is And the message title is God's work in silence. You see, I don't have to see God working for him to be working. I don't have to feel God working for him to be working. And the message today is to encourage us to say, if you think God has gone silent on you and God is not responding to you, I want you to understand whether you can see him, hear him, or feel him, God is working in our lives. You say, am I the only one that ever feels like God's gone silent? No, let me show you some passages of Scripture. Notice what the psalmist said in Psalm number 28 and verse number 1. Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice, or or I just go into depression, or I just go to the place that I don't even pray anymore. Lord, if if, if you're going to be silent, if you're not going to answer me, I'm afraid I'll just just give up on praying. Look at verse number 2. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. The psalmist is praying and he said, Lord, I want to tell you about what's going on around me. There are folks that they, they, they talk nice and they talk kind, but, but, but they're against me and they're against you. And Lord, I need you to hear my prayer. 
And he said, Lord, please don't go silent. If you're here this morning and you, and, and you feel like God is just not answering you, he's gone silent. That's how the psalmist felt in Psalm number 28. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm number 83. Psalm number 83. Perhaps there's a need in your life and you've asked God. You know he's able. You believe that he's able. But he still hasn't answered your prayer. And you wonder, why is God gone silent? Why is he not working in my life? Psalm number 83. Notice again in the first verse. Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace and be not still, O God. He said, Lord, please, please don't just, just, just be quiet and silent and not respond to me. Verse 2. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult. And they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. He said, Lord, I want you to understand how bad the situation is is all the other nations have come together for the destruction of your nation Israel Lord you need to hear me Lord you need to work don't we feel that way sometimes in our prayers Lord Lord we need you to work now this is not time God for you to become silent this is not time God for you to not respond Lord you need to see what's going on take your Bible and go to the book of Job Job just before the Psalms and of course you know the story of Job God allowed Satan to touch Job's life and Job lost his family Job lost his wealth Job lost his own health and notice what Job says in chapter 30 and go down to verse number 20 I cry unto thee and thou dost not hear me let me stop and say right here that's not true, but that's how he felt. Now, I must admit, sometimes I've felt that way. Sometimes you felt that way. We cried to the Lord, and he just didn't hear us. And the reason we say that he didn't hear us is because God didn't respond in the way that we recommended. In the way that we responded, in the way we thought God needed to respond. Notice he says, I stand up. And thou regardest me not. He said, Lord, I prayed and you didn't hear me. I stood up and said, hey, Lord, it's me. And he said, you regarded me not. Look at verse 21. Thou art become cruel to me. With thy strong hand thou opposest thyself against me. Thou liftest me up to the wind. Thou causest me to ride upon it and dissolvest my substance. He said, Lord, I'm losing everything I have and you won't do anything. You're being silent. Now, the reason I read these verses, I want you to understand you're not the only Christian that feels like God is not paying attention to you. You're not the only person that feels like you're in a, a, a place of need or a burden or emergency and God is not hearing. And what I want us to understand by the time we get to the end of the message today is whether I can hear him or not, God does hear me. And God is responding to me. Whether I can see or whether I can feel God working in my life, God is working whether I see or feel that or not. And the psalmist is saying, and Job is saying, Lord, please don't be silent 
to me. I want to read a verse, and the verse is Zephaniah chapter 3. The Bible said, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in love. He will joy over thee with singing. And that is almost a sister verse to what he says in the book of Hebrews when God said, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. You might think I am, but I am not. May I say this morning that at times I want God to work and I pray and not only do I pray, I recommend. Lord, this is what I think you should do. Now, you understand as I understand prayer, I believe I'm supposed to pray specific. I believe I'm supposed to pray in my understanding and I know I'm supposed to yield to the mind of Christ and to the will of Christ. But understand, we long for God to work in our life. We long sometimes for him to ring the bells of joy. Sometimes we long for him to give us a peace in the night. Sometimes we long for him to show that the answer is on the way and we feel like sometimes God is not working. There's an amazing story in Luke chapter 24. If you'll join me there in Luke chapter 24, uh, this is the third day after uh, Christ has been crucified and has now risen uh, from the grave. I don't want you to notice that this is an amazing story and it's a beautiful picture of how we feel uh, that God is not with us. Here's two men. Uh, they're walking on the Emmaus Road and I want you to notice what the Bible says as we'll join them in verse number 13. This is a great story. Look at it. Luke 24, 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. Now understand, Jesus is crucified and Jesus is buried, all right? Jesus is in the grave and that's all these men know is that Jesus in the grave. Now you understand, their expectation was Jesus was the Messiah. Their expectation was even more than that. Some really looked for Jesus to be a king and set up his kingdom on the earth and they thought we're going to have freedom. Uh, we're going to become free from all the uh, tyranny of the uh, Roman Empire. And so these two men, uh, they're going to Emmaus. Notice what the Bible says in verse 14. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now understand, this is a guy that's died and he's just been buried, all right? And Jesus comes and he joins them, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these? That ye have one to another as ye walk, and are ye sad? What are you talking about and why are you so sad? Look at verse 18. And the one of them whose name was Cleophas answering said unto him, Aren't thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? They said, Don't you know what happened? Are you a stranger here? Did you just get to town? You didn't hear about Jesus being crucified and what a terrible crucifixion it was by the Roman soldiers after they had beaten him? Are, 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 are you serious? You don't know what's going on? Verse 19, and he said unto them, what things? They said unto him concerning uh, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, with Nazareth which uh, was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Notice this, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. 
We expected Jesus to redeem us, but they've crucified him, and he is buried. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which uh, said that he was alive. And certain of them which were uh, with us went to the sepulcher and found it, even as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Notice, they got the message on Sunday morning, but they didn't believe it because they didn't experience it. Are you with me? I heard what the preacher said, but when we went there, he wasn't there. Didn't turn out the way we thought it would. Verse 25, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe. Now I want you to notice, this is somewhat of a condemnation in the truth of the message to our lives today. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now look at me. Here's the message. They were sad because Jesus didn't do what they expected him to do. They even heard the message that he had risen from the grave. But when they went there, all they saw was an empty grave and the stone rolled away. They should have rejoiced, but they didn't because they didn't feel it. They didn't see it. They didn't hear it. And here's what Jesus said. You're a fool and slow of heart because you didn't believe what the scripture says. Now here's the application in our life. You say, I wish God would work in my life. He is according to the scripture. But I can't see it. Doesn't make any difference. He's working in our life. But I can't feel it. Doesn't make any difference. Jesus sat down with those two men and he began with Moses and the prophets. He went all the way to Exodus and he began to march his way through the prophets and the hundreds of years of prophecy. You know what he's saying? What's true is not just what I see, what I hear, or what I feel. What is true is what God has said. And I want to say to you today, if you're carrying a burden, you're waiting for God to lighten the load. If you have a need and you're asking God to meet that need, if you have something that's an emergency, you're asking God to work in your life and you've come to the place of frustration because he's silent I want you to know just because he's silent doesn't mean he's not working. Have faith. God is working in our lives. God is working in our lives. Let me give you this illustration. How many of us have, as parents, we've, we've, we've been watching our children maybe trying to build something. Having three boys first, my boys have found lumber and tools and hammers and nails. And what are you building? We're building Noah's Ark or something. You know, they, they, they were building something. But have you ever watched your children and they were working and they were doing something that they weren't hardly able to do and you wanted to just do it for them, but you stepped back and you just waited? Because you wanted, to, wanted them to do as much as they could do. And you waited, young people listen to me, 
You waited until your children had done all they could, and then you helped them. Have you ever have, have your children ever hinted about something they wanted for Christmas, and you just ignored them, or they thought you were ignoring them? At least right now, you hope that that's what they're doing. They did hear you, but they're, they, you hope they're just ignoring you. Huh? Have you ever been silent about something? Have you ever watched your children do homework? Daddy, I just can't find this answer. And you look at it, and it's, it's obviously right there, and they're not looking for it. Now, if they put it in a cartoon, they'd find it. If they put it in a game, they'd find it. And, and, and you want to say to your children, well, right there it is, but you say, keep reading, it's in there. But I can't find it. Come on, Daddy, I've been looking for this for 45 seconds. How many of you have experienced what I'm saying right now with your children? You have experienced, Daddy, I need your help. Daddy, I can't find it. Can you help me? It's there, keep looking. My wife showed me a thing this week. She said, now... How is it that a man can't find a bottle of ketchup sitting in a refrigerator? But he can find a deer that's camouflaged into the woods. I said, honey, that's just the way God made us. I can't explain it. That's just... Are there times that we want to help our children? Let me ask you this. Have your children ever got in trouble? Maybe financially? Maybe they made a decision that was a borderline or even wrong decision and you wanted to step in and you thought, well, better not. They'll do that again, so I'm just going to wait. Let me ask you a question. Did your parents care about you or not? Sure they cared about us. And sometimes a child said, if you cared about me, you'd give me the money. If you cared about me, you'd loan me the money. If you cared about me, you'd help me out of trouble. I'm going to help you by letting you learn the lesson to get yourself out of this trouble. We look at God and say, well, God, how long is it going to be before you answer my prayer? I've been praying about this now for about 45 minutes or three days. You see, I want to say this morning, God is not ignoring us. God is not in his silence. He is not saying, I don't care about you. There's several Bible illustrations that help us to understand what God is doing when God is silent. Uh, there's a story of, a, of, a, 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 of Abraham uh, to offer his son Isaac, and he tells him, I want you to offer your son Isaac as a sacrifice, the son that he waited for for so long. And I'll not go through all of the story, but they made a three-day journey to that mountain, and when he saw uh, Mount Moriah, the place that he would offer his son as a sacrifice to God, and the truth is God really didn't want his son. He didn't want Isaac. He wanted to know they still had Abraham's heart. You know the story. He went to the top of the mountain and he built the altar. And it was there that he put his son Isaac on the altar because God had asked him to. And God had asked him to give his son as a burnt sacrifice. And he took the knife and he raised it in the air. And God said, Abraham... Abraham stopped and he responded to God. And God knew then that he still had Abraham's heart. But one of the most beautiful parts of that story was the fact 
that there was a ram that was caught in the thickets and the ram took the place of Isaac as a sacrifice. Uh, hear me well. It was God that put the ram. It was God that put the ram there. It was God that put the ram there. And when Abraham thought he was climbing a lonely mountain with just he and Isaac, no, sir, God was coming up on the other side. And because I can't see God, because he's on the other side of the mountain, because I can't hear God, because he's on the other side of the mountain, because I can't feel God doesn't mean he's not there. He said, I'll always be with you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you to the end of the world. I want you to know that God is working in our lives today. While Abraham was coming up one side, God was coming up the other. David wondered in silence and seclusion what God would do as his own son Absalom had worked to steal the kingdom from his father. And what, Ab uh, what David didn't know in his prayer that God knew the end of the rebellion and God had prepared a mighty oak tree and grabbed that old boy by the hair of his head and his rebellion was ended in a single day. David sitting in a seclusion and sitting in silence wondering if God had forgotten him. God had not forgotten him and God hasn't forgotten me and God hasn't forgot you. You say, but I can't see him. He's still there. I can't hear him. I can't feel him. He's still there. The story I've told before, the story I heard the preacher tell, the preacher's name, James Head, told the story of a family in his church in western Kentucky. This was in the 70s. A wife, a young wife, got cancer and died and left a husband and one young son. And as he told the story, he told the story of how they'd gone to the funeral and they got home after the funeral. So quiet, it was so lonely without his mom, without his wife. He put the boy in his bed at nighttime and he tucked the boy in. He spoke to him a few minutes, kissed him and said good night turned the light off, walked across the hallway to his own bedroom. The father made things ready for bed, turned his light off and went to bed. Then he heard the boy crying. And the boy said, Daddy, it's so dark. Daddy, I, I, I can't see. He said, Son, it will be all right. He said, Daddy, is your face turned toward me? Daddy, are you looking toward me? And the father said, yes, son. My face is turned toward you. Sometimes the night is so dark that I can't see, but it doesn't mean God can't see me. Sometimes the clouds come and I can't see God, but God can still see me. Sometimes the circumstances cause a turmoil within and I can't feel or experience the presence or the working of God in my life, but that doesn't mean God's not working God is working in my life. I love this part of the message. Jesus, of course, told those two men, all of the prophets said Jesus would come and suffer these things and would die. It's fulfilled just as the prophet said. You don't have to see to believe. You don't have to hear to believe. You can believe because I said it. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 19 and verse number 1. 
it tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. When you can't see God, look at what God has done. Every sunrise is saying, God's still working in my life. Every time the rains come, God's working in my life. He worked overtime yesterday, didn't he? The heavens declare the glory of God. For me to say God's not working in my life is to say God didn't cause the sun to rise. In the book of Romans in chapter 1, it tells us clearly that creation proves the existence of God and God speaks not only through his word, he speaks through his world. The four things I'll say in closing in just the last two minutes. Take your Bibles and go to Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. I'll make four statements and then read these verses. First of all, God often waits or, or is silent long enough to know that he has our attention. Second of all, God often waits or is in silent long enough to know that he is the one that will receive the praise and glory. Third of all, God often waits or is silent to see that we've come to the end of ourselves. Just as we would watch our children to see that they have exhausted all of their strength and all of their ability. Because if we keep stepping into our children's lives and never let them learn and develop and know character of their own, they'll become dependent on us and they'll not be able to function alone. And God wants us to, to give everything we have and God doesn't step in until we've done all we can do then God often waits and is in silence to see if our faith will be in his word. Habakkuk said these words, verse 17, chapter 3, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Now what he's saying, God's going to judge his people. He's going to cleanse them. He's going to purify them. He's going to restore that nation. You, you know what we want? We say, boy, God's good. And what we do is we say, well, the fig trees, they're in full blossom and the, and the stalls there. We can only see God in blessings. But he said, although all these things are going to happen, verse number 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high place. By the way, a hind is like a deer. Ever seen a deer come to a fence and just go over that fence like there was nothing there? He said, he maketh my feet like hinds feet. I'll go over the circumstance. I'll go over the problem. And, will, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. You know what Habakkuk is saying? He didn't do it the way I wanted to. In fact, I couldn't see or hear or feel what he was doing. But God did do what he always said he would do. And God is working even in silence. Stand with me if you will. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here and you do not know Christ,
as your personal Savior. You ought, to, you ought to receive Christ. You ought to receive Christ as your personal Savior today. Perhaps you've been here more than one Sunday and the Holy Spirit has brought you to the place of conviction. You know you need to receive Christ. Make this the day that you trust Him. Perhaps there's a spiritual decision that needs to be made in your life today. In just a minute when he sings on the invitation song, you ought to make your way to this altar and make that spiritual decision between you and God. You ought to make that decision for Christ this morning. Heavenly Father, help us to know that when you're silent, it doesn't mean you're not working. For Lord, you always love us. You're always working in our life. May we trust your word as much as we do your work. Bless our invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As he 